1: Welcome to the Insurance Coffee House USA, the place where you get the chance to meet and learn from some of the most successful insurance business leaders in America. My name is Nick Hoadley and I'm the CEO of Insurance Search. We specialize in helping insurance businesses grow and multiply their growth by attracting, recruiting and retaining the highest performing insurance professionals in the country. Each week in the coffee house, we interview leading insurance business leaders and discover how they achieve their success, learn what advice they have for other aspiring insurance business leaders, and we discover what makes their business an attractive proposition for high-performing talent. This week, I'm delighted to be joined by Keith Mann, who is the COO and CFO of Scott Insurance. Welcome to the show, Keith. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk with you today. Keith it's a real pleasure to have you on the show today I know we've been setting this one up for a little while and really looking forward to hearing your insights and advice you have for our listeners today before we start the questions as you know we like to to go into our guest background and experience a bit further so could you perhaps share a little bit more about your career and and what's led to the position you are now at Scott Insurance?
0: Sure yeah We'd, we'd be happy to Like many people that are in the industry now, I came from outside the industry, really didn't have a plan to land in the insurance industry, was a buyer, was a customer for for over 20 years, really started out in construction, had a financial controller role in construction for around 10 years, really thought I would stay in construction long term, felt like I would have an ownership stake in the construction entity that I worked for at the time, Um, roughly 10 years into that career. It looked like that my my wants and and um, desires to to be an owner in that industry was not going to come to fruition, and um, was looking at you know where am I going to go next? And took a bit of a risk and and jumped into manufacturing. Took a CFO position with a uh, industrial rubber manufacturing company based in uh, Bedford, Virginia. Uh, jumped into a, a very challenging situation there, and then had the recession hit immediately, almost immediately after. My tenure there started, so it was quite the challenging time. Learned a lot. Had a lot of great experience, a lot of great challenges. Did transition away from from manufacturing primarily because of the recession. Uh, Moved in a different direction on the tail end there and landed in government contracting and um, energy consulting for around four years with with a similar role and um, worked with a a great group of people there uh, with some international exposure in uh, China and South America, which was which was fun. Moved into retail from there in a, another CFO role with a furniture retailing company that's based in Virginia, but had a, a strong Southeast uh, US footprint and really wasn't looking to make a change. Um, really wasn't looking to, again, jump into insurance, but uh, had some great relationships with my uh, insurance brokers at the time. I really looked at them as a resource and a uh, consultant as a... Um, a strong uh, asset to me on a day-to-day basis, and really got to know the culture at Scott Insurance from afar as a client, and really did see a difference in uh, the organization at Scott versus many of the other uh, great brokers that I've worked with in the past, and um, saw a position that popped up uh, with Scott, This the COO, CFO role, um, actually referred a few, um, fears of mine into into the um, into the hopper uh, to, to be under consideration for the role and as that process was continuing on and I was getting feedback from some of those spheres, some of those friends and co-workers that I've worked with in the past really felt the uh, the draw um, coming to me personally really really started to have some discernment on my own that I'm really the one that's interested in this position and wonder, you know, what what this fit may look like for me. So really hadn't planned on, you know, again, jumping into the insurance industry, but uh just the more I looked at it, the more intriguing it became. Uh and the culture and the um
1: the offering and the resource that Scott Insurance was for me at the time really, really pulled me in. Uh oh, it sounds like a really organic transition going from from buyer i imagine as as an fc and then as a cfo that you had many dealings with with brokers and i'm sure insurance was one of the sort of key parts that that renewal would be one of the key key parts of your role and and the role coming up at at scott how's things going there now and how are you finding working inside the insurance industry
0: yeah, yeah. Hindsight's always 2020. I lo- I love the insurance industry. I'm about four years in here now, and um, a lot has transpired in the four years that I've been here. It's going really well. Uh, things are going great. Our company's doing well. Uh, we're growing organically. Uh, we're adding great people. We've got a lot a lot of long term, trusted, uh, you know, great resources that have been with the company for a long time as well. Uh, it's just a wonderful industry. Uh, again, as I mentioned, you know, hindsight being 2020. Had I known, you know, 20 years ago. How much the insurance industry had to offer to me specifically, I probably would have made a change much sooner and would have looked to an opportunity much sooner as well. Though all the experiences that I had as a buyer and working with the different types of organizations that I have had in the past uh, really set me up to be in a position to to be a really good resource to to plug into the insurance industry, you know, down the road, you know, a few years ago, and and to bring a unique perspective. Of some experiences I would not have had otherwise so again it's been it's been a wonderful fit for me really enjoy working with the people really enjoy working in this space.
1: Fantastic that's that's great to hear Keith and we're certainly very glad that you you did join the industry. Keith before I ask you the main body of our question today can I just ask you as we are in the insurance coffee house what is your go-to coffee of choice in the morning?
0: Yeah, so I'm going to throw you for a loop, um, Nick. I am not a big coffee person. I don't really drink coffee. I love the smell of coffee, but my drink of choice is actually Diet Dr. Pepper. I uh, know it's not good for me, not setting a real good example for anyone
1: listening, but uh, it is my drink of choice. That's your drink of choice. Well, well, fair enough. That's that's fair enough. Is that something that kicks you off at the start of the day or is that is that something you enjoy throughout the day?
0: You know, unfortunately it's the start of the day and throughout the day as well. <laughs> it's definitely not the healthiest habit.
1: No worries at all. Keith, we just referred to your sort of transition into the insurance industry, but can I ask you about that that first transition into a C suite position? You mentioned um, CFO positions that you held previously. How did you find moving into that role from your other role previous to that?
0: Yeah. So the initially it was a it was a big a large risk for me. Um, my first CFO role was a great opportunity. I think I was around 33 years old at the time, so fairly young to have the responsibility and the charge of a CFO role for a, you know, a, a critical function for a, a manufacturing company. It was a uh, um, all kinds of uh, stresses, all kinds of pressures and, and things that had to happen. But uh, it took a bit of a risk uh, taking even a pay cut um, when I did jump in, uh, moving from construction into manufacturing and taking that CFO role, just, you know, definitely wanted to test my chops and see how I could perform, how I could challenge myself in a unique and different way beyond uh, more of a financial controller role that I had previously. And really, honestly, I I always kind of dabble in operations or had dabbling in operations up to that point anyway. Um, so really how can I affect positive change within this organization while holistically looking at the operations and then using best practices on the financial side as well to see if I can, you know, do a good job, you know, see, see if I was, was up to the task. So it was, um, you know, just, uh, the right timing. I think the, uh, the initial catalyst for me jumping into that role, I had a, um, a confidant that I trusted in the, in the region that, um, knew I may be looking for something and uh, knew of this challenging opportunity that was coming, coming up and and asked if I would be willing to you know speak with ownership of this other entity to see if it was a fit. And, um, you know, even with all the um, your potential risks and the challenging environment that was uh, manufacturing given pre, pre-recession pre um, yeah. was something I was was ready for and, and jumped in. It, maybe I wasn't all the way ready for it at that time, but it was, you know, something I could grow into.
1: Yeah, it sounds like it was a, a great step for you. And I imagine also moving into a new sector as well at the same time as, as moving up in your career must, must have held some challenges for you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think one of the things that um, has always been intriguing to me and, and fun uh, f- for sure is just the, the gearing up on the front end of a new opportunity, a new entity, a new business proposition. I really do like to learn as much as I can about the new industry, you know, what really makes money, what what makes the industry tick. Um, so, the, the, the way that my brain is wired um, or the way that I'm wired, it was, was a, just a, a really good learning opportunity for me. I'm just a um, a sponge on the front end of, of something like that and just really try to accelerate my knowledge base as fast as possible to
1: try to be effective as quick as I can. Thank you, Keith. And what would you say has been your biggest achievement so far in your leadership career?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a great question, uh, Nick. Um, really looking back, you know, I've had you know, multiple different uh, stops and, and opportunities, different organizations, but really I think my best achievement to this point is really landing at the role in the role that I have now with Scott Insurance. Um, Scott cast a really wide net for this position. Uh, it was a transition position that was uh, retiring and we were backfilling for the position. Um, you know, as a customer, um, you know, had, had a, a, a good relationship with, with the company and with, with the organization, but um, yeah, with the net that they, they cast and the number of folks that they, they talked to trying to find the best fit for their culture and their team, I just really feel proud uh, for the opportunity that I've had to, to land with Scott. And then as a um, follow-on to that, to have been so successful the last four years, um, to really jump into a, su- a successful and well-oiled machine, a long-term company that started in 1864, uh, an ESOP company that that started back, you know, ESOP started about 1975. Um, to jump into that old of a company, that that successful, um, established, uh, strong company, and then to to pick up the reins, you know that that were um, were left behind by a very talented individual who was my predecessor, to pick up his reins and, and the work that he did and carry it on and, and continue to grow and continue to to uh, push the company in a positive track. I'd, I'd say that's my
1: biggest accomplishment in my career to date. Certainly. And I'm sure that was a very challenging and competitive process that that you went through there. Has there ever been a time where you've gone through a process like that where you, you've you put yourself forward for a position or an opportunity where it hasn't gone in your favor? And how do you go about dealing with that? It's a great question.
0: And yes, absolutely. That has happened. Um, I'm, I'm definitely wired to be someone to ask or to try to grow and to take on additional responsibilities, regardless of what my title or position is within an organization um, was was going after a general manager's position at a previous employer in between some financial roles, uh, was looking to get in more on the operations side, was trying to put myself forward for a general manager role for a, a business unit for, for a, a company here in the U.S. And um, didn't get the role. You know, felt like I was absolutely the right fit for the role, felt like, you know, I had the skill set, I have the want to, I have the work ethic, you know, I'm the right man for the job. But didn't get the role. Um, you know, at the time, I was a younger version of myself, and I would like to think that my self-awareness is better now. That my perspective on life and opportunity and seasons of life and seasons of business are better now. But at the time, it was really hard. It was frustrating. It was a, a setback for me, and a, you know, not a slap in the face, but something that I didn't see as equitable to what I felt like my worth or my value would be to that organization. That said continued to do my my job that I had at the time as well as I could. Um, you know, tried to prove myself even further by doing an even better job. Um, and really built a great relationship with the individual who did, did receive that general manager's position. Really would trust him to this day as a friend and as a confidant. And so really the the benefit of of that whole process was that that I really gained a new resource and friend in working through that organization with, with the person that ultimately got that position. And and I got some experiences in working with him uh, that I wouldn't have had otherwise had I gotten the position, for example. So again, hindsight's always twenty twenty. 20 I, I can really see the um, kind of the breadcrumbs in life that have led up to where I am now. And even back then, you know, kind of what the opportunity was at the time, though I didn't necessarily
1: see it on the front end, for sure. It's funny how things work out and fall into place if you just keep believing and you you keep pushing forward with things, Keith. It certainly sounds like that's been the case. Moving into the present day, how are you adopting technology or implementing digital transformation there at Scott Insurance to benefit your clients and the and the brokers who work for you?
0: Yeah, I think any 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 broker that's in the country now or or really any insurance related business uh, in, in the country or just in the world globally, you know, technology is a huge piece of, of, of the opportunity and, and the need and the, the have to really uh, to, to maintain relevancy, um, to stay profitable, to put yourself in a position to grow, to put yourself in a position, position to perpetuate. We're, we're, we're adopters of technology. We're probably not the earliest adopters at Scott, um, but we are progressive. Um, we are looking for opportunity to plug in technology into our workflow uh, the, the methods that we do find valuable, the way that we serve our clients. Um, we do look for, for pieces that, that do plug in and, and complement um, the way we structure and the way we process our work. Um, I will say we have built out a mezzanine level here at our company. Um, when I say mezzanine level, we've got actual people um, that we've brought in that that have a technological understanding and, and background in kind of splicing together different pieces of technology into workflows Um, so we're looking for every opportunity to take different innovative pieces of software and programs and tie them into you know the client management system tie them into the operating system tie them into our book of business looking to take the data that's out there and is, is available and use this mezzanine function to help roll that information out to our clients roll that information out to our employees yeah one of our biggest i think innovative Uh, steps in the last four years, for example, would be building out that that mezzanine function that's still a work in progress. It's always, you know, an ever-changing world, an ever-changing opportunity, Um, lots of investment on the broker side, lots of investment on the carrier side of things, um, lots of buzzwords, lots of programs that are out there, lots of uh, different programs doing similar things. Um, So, you know, I'm sure most brokers of our size or near our size are, Kind of sniffing around the same programs, the same processes, but uh, you know, for us, kind of the major innovation has been uh, looking to splice those things together and just
1: use the data more quickly. And how do you find the implementation process and rollout of those projects, Keith? Because I imagine you, you get you get some tech guys who come in with the the latest piece of software, the latest new tool, which you can see the value for the business. But how do you then bring on some of the guys on board who perhaps have had a certain way of dealing with things? They've been very successful doing things a certain way. How do you go about bringing those guys on board and implementing those rollouts?
0: Yeah, That's a great question. You, you look at someone like myself coming in from an outside industry, coming from retail, coming from construction, coming from government contracting and energy consulting. That's very different than uh, most brokers' perception would be of their organization. And it hasn't been easy. You, you, you brought up some good points. You know, I'm coming in and, and we're bringing in some functionality and other vendors are coming in, and bringing some functionality. It's not necessarily easy to adopt uh, some of these implementations or to adopt the technology or the potential of te- the technology. So we've had some great successes that were, were easier sells. you know, an easier sell for me. Um, trying to, um, to to explain what the benefits would be. And then there's been some things that have been harder. There's been some projects that it took maybe a smaller beta test group within a smaller business unit, like a small business uh, group or personal lines to where we could test through and show the opportunity through some key managers and then help educate up the line back into commercial, back into benefits. You know, what is going to be the best Fit for our organization, and just because we've done things in a great way for a long time, can we add to those great things? I like to think of myself as a tuner. I didn't come in to re-change, you know, really change anything at Scott. I didn't come in to to set the standard. Obviously, I still have a lot to learn. Uh, I've been here four years. I think most people would acknowledge or or would share that you know it may take around ten thousand hours to really be an expert on an industry or a new entity. And, um, as many hours as I put in, I'm not at 10,000 hours yet. And, um, but taking in, you know, the best practices I've learned in other organizations and others that have come onto our team from other organizations and, and internal stakeholders that have a lot of good, uh, institutional knowledge and industry knowledge, and just trying to pack all that together and work together as a team. Um, it is easier. I think you, you take, you know, some initial steps with a team and you implement some things that may be hard to sell or hard to to get buy-in on from different stakeholders. But as we get success in in one aspect, um, it does grow into opportunities that are a little easier down the road. But it's great. I think it's it's a great kind of challenging environment. I think jumping into this industry, you know I'm going to be around a lot of talented and really challenging personalities that that are really set to, to sell and set to be successful and I think it's been really good for me um, to jump in and be challenged by these folks on a daily basis and to hopefully add value to them on the back end going back their direction and to serve them well it's a great question it, it's hard it's not easy to implement change and change is not just you know just ch- change for the sake of change isn't isn't worth a whole lot so it's 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 really an interesting. Predicament to look for opportunities and then and then try to carry those out that that is relevant to the to the group and the company.
1: Yeah, certainly it does it does sound like a, a good collaboration though that you're you're building there rather than a revolution. You're working together to benefit each other and and the business there. So thanks thanks, Keith. What do you see? There's the major challenges looking ahead over the next couple of years, for insurance executives is it is it that technology piece or are there other things out there and what do you think people should be doing now to adapt to be successful
0: yeah i think technology is is a component but i I don't really see it as the disruptor um that i may have thought it may be four years ago for example i see it more as an asset and an opportunity Mm -hmm. i really think the big challenge for our whole industry is talent and personnel Um, Like me, uh, many of the folks that we bring in at Scott are coming from outside the industry. Um, That could be on the staff side of things and analysts, commercial analysts that may be working to help facilitate good management of an account. That could be on the production side as well. Um, It does seem like here in the US, at least from my perspective, uh, there's a limitation on dedicated programs of education for insurance professionals on the the college or university side of things. Um, There are some great programs that are out there there's some universities that are cranking out lots of people every year. We could go through many of those that we would all recognize as resources for people. Uh, but really to, you know, to really look for different channels of people going forward. If we look at, at my organization uh, as an example, you know, we would most likely double in size in the next seven to 10 years. I will very quickly have more new people and seasoned in here for a long time and many of those people are going to have to come from outside the industry just because of the need and the, the perpetuation of folks that are in the industry. There's a lot of folks that are retiring here in the next, you know, 5, 7, 10 years uh, that are going to take a lot of knowledge with them when they retire. Mm-hmm. How do we replace all those people in short order and get people interested in this industry that can see the value of being close to multiple different types of customers, different types of industries, different types of challenges. You know, how do we get more people into the into the funnel to then filter down and, and add, add teammates to our
1: team. Yeah. I think that's such a great point about it's, it's that size of that funnel, say educating people, educating people from outside of the industry about what a great industry it is to be part of. You mentioned earlier that you joined the industry four years ago, but you wonder what might have happened if you knew, of the opportunities 20 years ago. I think that educational piece is, is really important to find as much talent as possible because you want to be hiring the the right people, the best quality people and they're, they're not necessarily just the people who work for competitors or have so many years experience. The, the best people that are doing the job might not even know anything about the job at the moment. I think that's really important and I think I think you're certainly on the right track there if you're looking to cast that net as wide as possible. There's a awful lot we can we can teach people. But if they've already got that personality or they, they've got those other transferable skills, they can be really successful. Keith, okay, we now turn to the espresso round. I know you're not much of a, a coffee drinker and <laughs> you like your Dr. Pepper light. Yeah, I've got to ask you, are you ready for the espresso round? Yeah, let's do it. I'm excited. Let's go. The espresso round. Keith, okay, what are the characteristics about Scott Insurance that makes it such a great place to work at?
0: Yeah, I think that the people, um, probably one of the main characteristics, you, you, you see a lot of organizations and they talk about culture, they talk about family, and then they talk about their people. But I think it's really evident at Scott. Um, we are an ESOP organization. Uh, we're fully em- employee owned, um, which I do think gives us an advantage over most firms uh, here in the US. Uh, we've got people at every level that are invested in and interested in what they're doing on a daily basis and, and feel ownership in taking the tasks taking the client meetings taking the engagements with clients taking taking on whatever they need to take on and and owning it because of of the ownership factor which is is a unique um a unique advantage for us but i would say that you know in in parallel to that um, it really is a family atmosphere team atmosphere i think one of the things i really missed you know post high school post college uh, being on sports teams was was being on a team Um, Every organization that I've worked for in the past, you know, every organization that uh, you may even interview with or, you know, be engaged with as a sphere. Lots of folks claim to have teams. Um, I would say that our organization, I really feel that teamwork and that team uh, stronger than than most other places that I've landed to this point.
1: Fantastic. What opportunities do you provide high performing insurance professionals and leaders who may be looking to progress their career to that next level? Yeah, so
0: we are competitive as many other brokers would be uh, on compensation. I think the 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 upside on compensation we can we can pay well, uh, we can reward you for for the value and the the growth and the um, the volume that you may produce or bring to the organization. But you know, coupled with that, we do have the ESOP uh, vehicle, which is a little bit unique. You're not buying into an ownership structure. You're not buying into a partnership. You're not trying to hit a threshold of metrics to to gain ownership. We're going to give you ownership here you're going to vest in ownership in a very short order here and you're going to be rewarded for the work that you do but you're also going to bring along a lot of the people that are on your team with you mm-hmm. i think it's just wonderful to see even at a c level or a, a producer level uh, to see other folks that we work with every day do well with us and um, to, to be rewarded for the growth of the company for the
1: profitability of the company um, it's just a, a, wonderful structure for us here at Scott. And that must really help with, with that team ethic that you talk about that team culture with, with everybody having ownership in the business all pulling in the same direction, you know, big new clients being brought on board by someone, everybody sort of sharing in that success together.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think it it just translates very well to, you know, very real. Uh, wins very real losses too. I mean, if you lose a client, for example, I think the pain is more real for mm. our employee owners than it may be for another another
1: broker that in, in a similar space. That's very interesting. What, what would you say are the, the sort of top three skills or behaviors that you look for in uh, new executives or new talent?
0: Yeah, I think it, it really goes back to values here. Um, and I'm going to give you five instead of three. Um, <laughs> So really, you know, serving others first is important here. Continuous improvement is important here. You, you heard from me as we talked today. i I'd really like to learn. I've continued to learn as I've jumped on board here at Scott. And I would hope that others that come on board behind me are learning just as much. Ownership is, is a major value and, and component of our success here. You know, we talked about the ESOP, a couple of different yeah. com, you know, pieces of that today already. And then teamwork and, and trust. And we've talked about, you know, components of teamwork already, but trust, just trusting each other, trusting our teammates to do their job
1: and, and knowing that I have the trust that they would have the trust to do and own their job and do it well. Keith, I've just written those uh, values out on my notepad here. I can see a theme that runs through T. Fantastic. Keith, what what would you say is the largest challenge you face when attracting talent and what can be some of the biggest frustrations that you find with the recruitment process?
0: Yeah, so similar to what we talked about, just with the industry in general, just is is the funnel the right funnel? Are we are we capturing enough potential talented individuals into the initial funnel, and then do we have the right filter in place to get to the right individuals that ultimately would land with us? So really, is it in, you know increasing the filter? I'm sorry, increasing the funnel, and then filtering folks down from there really just uh, again, I don't want to repeat myself, but uh, just opportunities to increase the channels. can we help facilitate new channels with industry partnerships with uh, university or college partnerships? you know are there things that we can do from a best practices point of view or an industry standard point of view or trade group tie-ins to, to really uh, increase that that funnel and, and look for,
1: for for more pieces to the channel? That's certainly the, the case. I think a lot more businesses and companies now looking at their talent attraction a little bit like they do with with their sales. So um, organizations, what other partnerships are there that can attract those people? What other marketing materials, what other media? Because you've almost really got to have that sales team out there continuously. If you want to grow at double the size of your business in seven to 10 years, it's, it's a continual flow of talent coming into the, to that business. So all of those things, I think, are, are excellent and will, will certainly help with that. That growth keith we're almost at the end of the espresso round now but can i just ask you if there are any executives out there out there at the moment sort of considering their next opportunity or move at the moment what what would be your advice be to them
0: yeah no, number one i'd say stay in the industry if you're if you're in the industry i'd stay in the industry there's just so much opportunity uh, just even with consolidation even with uh, new entrants every year um, tons of opportunity that's out there and there's just uh just a wonderful wonderful space to be in. Really look for something that's going to match you personally. Look for an organization that's going to, to give you the space and the value and the affirmment or just the, the day-to-day satisfaction of, of working with that organization. Find somebody that, that really fits you. For me, you know, an independent broker is a really great fit. An ESOP company for me is a great fit. But you know look for what what fits you. Uh, look, look look for something that's going to fit your personality, going to fit your style and try to try, try to land there there's there's all kinds of landing spots available but uh you know, look for
1: something that's going to fit you the best absolutely absolutely shoot for the stars and shoot shoot for that perfect fit that would be a great great match for you we've almost reached the end of our time together today before we go can I just ask you do you have one piece of closing advice for our listeners and how would they go about contacting you after the show
0: yeah, that's, that's a great question. And just uh, with the with the interesting times that we're in, uh, coming off a really challenging year in 2020 with unprecedented challenges, unique circumstances related to a pandemic, um, turmoil that may be in the U.S. You know, kind of rolling into 2021, I would just encourage anyone uh, that may be listening to this this podcast, be the change in your organization, be the change in your community, be the change in your environment. Be a good example to others, uh, serve other people in your community. You know, there's a lot of talented people in this industry that touch so many different subsets of businesses, every kind of business, every kind of personal uh, customer, we all touch so many different customers. If we can all influence positive change and positive examples to our communities and to others. I think it'll, it'll, it'll sell. It'll serve everybody very well. If you want to get in touch with me, you can find me at our our website, scottins.com. That's S C O T T I N S.com. And
1: I'm on LinkedIn as well and would be happy to connect with anyone uh, that may have need to connect with me. Thank you so much, Keith. And it's such a great way to end the show on that, that positive. note. I think that's really, really inspiring for all those insurance people out there at the moment. That's, Fantastic, listeners. We'll will be sure to post Keith's contact details on the show notes so you can reach out to him after the show. Keith, thank you so much for your time today. I think I think safely say we we've covered a lot of topics and we've really learned a lot about Scott Insurance and about about your journey. So really appreciate your time today.
0: Nick, really appreciate your
1: time too. Thanks for reaching out and uh, just really appreciate you being willing to to speak with me as well. It's been fun. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure, absolute pleasure, Keith. And to all the insurance business leaders out there, whether you're listening in the United States or internationally in UK, Europe or across the world, we thank you for listening. And I'm sure you have gained a lot of valuable insights and learnings from Keith today. If you do enjoy the show, please do subscribe and download. I know that some of our listeners have been asking us how, how they do get that show into their inbox each week. So please do subscribe and download and they will pop into your Inbox each week. Until next time, I've been Nick Hoadley. This has been the Insurance Coffee House USA. Take care. You've been listening to the
0: Insurance Coffee House with Nick Hoadley. Join us next time to hear more insights and inspiring success stories to help you become a better insurance business leader. Available to download or subscribe now.